Coming to you live from the VIC Radio Studios in Ithaca, New York, it's the Asman and Budick Show. Here are your hosts, Jake Asman and Dan Budick. From the frozen tundra in Ithaca, New York, it's the Asman and Budick Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick, taking you until midnight right here on VICradio.org. We have a great show in store for you. The New York Jets continue to make cuts. There's talks of tanking going on. I will talk about that in just a second with you, Dan. So much to get to. Later on in the show, we're going to touch on the Knicks. Draymond Green's idiotic comments after the Warriors beat the Knicks at Madison Square Garden this afternoon, 112-105. A little bit later on in the show, we'll talk some baseball. World Baseball Classic starts up tomorrow morning, I believe, at 4.30 in the morning. 4.30, bright and early. Should we care? I don't know. We'll talk about it a little bit later on in the program. And we have another big show announcement that we want to bring to you. Important stuff coming up in the month of April. Big news involving the show. We want to share that with members of our fans and members of the audience a little bit later. But as always, he's Dan Budick. I'm Jake Asman. we got Jake Chernock with us. Brett Mayerson is screening the phone calls tonight. And we got Ben Carlton on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Asman Budick Show. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, hello over there. And you can get the Facebook page if you're listening on radio with the Asmund and Budic show over on Facebook. But, Dan, it's been a cold weekend. It's been freezing here in Ithaca. The wind. It's the wind. It's brutal. Negative four degrees wind chill, but here in the VIC radio studios, it's pretty warm, and we got a good two hours of sports talk. I will up. say I'm pretty comfortable right now in VIC. Usually it's kind of hot in here. It's a little sweaty. It's a little sweaty in here. Yeah. And I didn't say this before. When we got off the air a week ago, the greatest moment in maybe television history happened with the oh, Oscars. Oh, absolutely. And it was literally right as we got off the air a We week ended ago. the show. We went to our radio newsroom. The Oscars were on in the newsroom, and we saw it all unfold. So we'll give you some uh, some thoughts on that as we continue the show. But let's begin with the Jets. I mentioned it at the top. Revis is no longer a Jet. Nick Mangle, we talked about it last week. He's no longer a Jet. A year ago, Debrickashaw Ferguson retired. And the Jets, as far as the team that went to AFC Championship games, they're down to one member. That's David Harris. And after the Jets cut Brandon Marshall, now there's a lot of talk of, whoa, are the Jets maybe tanking? And I don't think that's where we begin. I don't think the Jets are tanking, and I'll cover that in just a moment. But I want to talk about Brandon Marshall and that decision. I don't think it was that big of a surprise. The one part of the Jets where they actually have good talent and good depth is that wide receiver and Brandon Marshall and above average player at this point in his career. He is, but he's also 32 years old. He's coming off injuries and paying him $7.5 million when you have depth and younger guys making a lot less money elsewhere. When you're not built to win a Super Bowl, it didn't make much sense. So I don't think Brandon Marshall being cut was the final straw and whether or not the Jets are tanking. And we'll talk about Brandon Marshall and where he could go. But as far as that move from the Jets, that was something I expected to happen once you saw all the other over 30 veterans be cut as well. Yeah, and once all the pieces started to fall, Revis mangled, you had to expect that Brandon Marshall was going to get cut eventually. And there were talks of Brandon Marshall getting cut before we went to Houston uh, at the beginning of February. And got a, and when we talked to Brandon uh, at Radio Row, I mean, there was plenty of talks. There were plenty of murmurs that the Jets were going to go in a direction of cutting Brandon Marshall. But you have to really look at where the Jets are right now. And and the word tanking, I think that's the wrong word. I think the Jets are retooling right now. They're retooling, and and they're probably going to use the next two years to try to retool this team and put them in a position, and hopefully it's with Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles, to win down the line. You can't be surprised by the cuts, and you can't be surprised.
otherwise, Marshall's getting cut either. That's $7.5 million hit. It is affordable, but for the Jets to be paying that and on the hook for a 32-year-old wide receiver, it just doesn't make much sense based on where the Jets are right now. They're not in a position to win this year, and it just didn't make much sense to keep. Uh, you mentioned a very productive Brandon Marshall, but also a guy 31, 32 years old. He's getting up there in age, and I'm not surprised the Jets uh, cut, him, cut him. Let's be honest You can't here. be shocked. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl, Brandon Marshall could be that missing piece. He could still play. The Jets, you just said it, they're not anywhere close to winning a Super Bowl. And Brandon Marshall had an okay year, and look at who was throwing him the football, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Brandon Marshall, just two years ago, was phenomenal. He could still play. So this isn't about, oh, is Brandon Marshall done? No, Brandon Marshall's going to get an opportunity, probably from a really good team, and maybe the other team in New York and the New York Giants. More on that a little bit later. This was more of the Jets saying, you know what? We're getting younger. There's nothing wrong when you're cutting guys that are in their 30s that are coming off a down year. Don't call it a tank job. The Jets are not tanking just yet. If they go into the season with just Petty and Hackenberg, then you could say, well, I don't know if they're tanking. They're definitely not expecting to win. What they do at quarterback, first and foremost, will tell you the direction that they're taking this offseason. There's nothing wrong with cutting some overpaid starters from a 5-11 and team. I'll tell you what. It had the Jets kept Darrell Revis, for example, and put him out there on Revis Island again one-on-one with some elite receivers, then they would be tanking because Revis has shown you he can't do that anymore, and he's done. Cutting Darrell Revis and cutting a Nick Mangold, who I love and we all love as Jet fans, saving all this money under to get under the cap was expected. What they do at quarterback is all that matters. You can't call it a tank job until we see if there's a quarterback who can win or not going forward. I don't see why releasing ineffective, overpaid starters from a 5-11 and football team is considered tanking. It's not, and not yet. It's not tanking. What it is is I think it's retooling, what we've been saying. And you're right. Depending on what the Jets do at quarterback, I think it'll, it'll show what type of position they're going in this season. But I think regardless, I think the Jets, and I think Mike McCagden kind of shown his cards here the last three weeks. They want to make a conscious effort to get younger. They don't want to be paying guys over 30 a lot of money, uh, a lot of Revis, a Mangold, and, and Brandon Marshall. It makes perfect sense. I think uh, whatever the Jets do in free agency and in the draft it will be really indicative of how the team's going to look going into next season because with these cuts, it opens up a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes on the roster that Mike McCagnan has to find a way to fill. If they're going to have money in free agency. Let's see what they do. The draft, this is a huge draft for Mike McCagnan. They, they have to draft said? well. He said, hey, we're open to trading back. And if they trade back, that's what a smart football team should do when you have the sixth pick in the draft and you're more than just a player away at that spot. We, you hear it I would year. trade back if it's the right deal. We want to trade back. Every team says they want to trade back when they're bad. It usually doesn't happen. No matter what happens with the Jets, you nailed it. This is a huge draft. They need to not only draft a couple guys early in the rounds that could play right away, they need to have a strong draft from top to bottom. They were awarded a compensatory third-round pick for losing Damian Harrison a year ago. Turn that third-round pick into something. Make moves that make this football team better. Cutting Darrell Revis, Nick Mangold, and Brandon Marshall, that was expected. I know a lot of people who maybe don't follow the Jets as closely as you and I do, Dan, thought, whoa, well, look what the Jets are doing. That's not tanking. Cutting players from a 5-11 and football team that did not have a good year or were injured, that doesn't mean you're tanking. It means you're retooling, as you said. But what do they do at quarterback? That's what you have to discuss and that's right now. The, and that's kind of the elephant in the room that we've talked about for, for a couple months if already. they go with Hackenberg and Petty, you know what? Maybe they are tanking. We're not tanking. But maybe they're saying, you know what? If we stink, at least we'll have a top pick, and then we'll get the quarterback right in 2018. Right now, until we see who's playing that position... I don't think it's going to be a Romo or a Jay Cutler, but if they bring in a guy like Brian Hoyer or they sign a Mike Lennon, 
all of a sudden are you tanking or you're trying to put a winning football team on the field? Because guess what? Todd Bowles and Mike McKagan, they can't count on going 2-14 and 14 and keeping their jobs. they got to show results, baby. they got to win some games. Well, they have to show at least that the team's going in the right direction. And I think... I think the expectations of this year's Jet team is not going to be to make the playoffs and try to go on a run to win the Lombardi, but it's got to show that they're going in the right direction. And Jake, you just made a great point. Two and fourteen is not going to get it done. Four and twelve isn't going to get it done. Another five and eleven season might not get it done. But I'll tell you what: Can the Jets be seven and nine next year? Can they be a five hundred football team next year? If the Jets finish five hundred next year, I think you guarantee that McCagnan and Bulls will get another shot now with uh, with some results in an eight and eight season to go forward with with their plan. But they got to show that they are at least going in the right direction. And that starts with this free agency. They already made it a a big claim by making these cuts, clearing up cap space, wanting to get younger at some key positions, wanting to infuse a little life into this Jets team. It starts with the draft also. They have to have a good draft. The Jets haven't had a good draft in years. It's been too long. But that's why why the team's been bad. That's a big reason. The drafts just haven't been there. Yeah, they've had a couple of uh, guys that that have Shine maybe in the first round and the second I round. Mean, we could go through Jets second. Oh, round yeah, absolutely. For the last Ten years. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But they've they've had a, a couple of diamonds in the roughs over the last couple of years that have, that have turned out to be good pros. But for the most part, where is the fifth round draft pick that's making an impact? Where's the sixth round pick that's making an impact? The Jets went on a big thing last year that Robbie Anderson, an undrafted guy at a Temple, was making that big of an impact. He's okay. He's okay. He was undrafted. He too. was undrafted it's not even too. Like they drafted this guy. So so let's see the Jets go into draft day this year, the draft weekend, and 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 put some productive players on this team that's going to help the team make steps in the positive, in the right direction going forward this season. And I think if the Jets do that, I think McCagnan and Bulls will be back. But you're right. What are they going to do with quarterback? Are they going to address that need in the draft? Or are they going to address that need with a subpar quarterback like a Brian Hoyer, like we discussed, like a Mike Glennon? Is that what the Jets are going to do? I think it's pretty open right now. see what they're doing at that spot. No one can sit here on March 5th and say the Jets are tanking or they're going for it. We don't know. Well, I, I we think the word yet. tanking is the wrong word. They're I, not going to try to lose. They're not trying to. If they try to lose, they're not going to. Todd Bowles is not going to be here to see the benefits. Exactly. Of going they're they're not. They're not tanking. That's the wrong word. You 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 want to talk about tanking? You look at uh, teams in the NBA that have tried to tank, and I think there's a different circumstance there. The Jets are not trying to. I don't think they're going to be trying to lose football games this year. I don't tanking. You're 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 making the claim that you want to lose, that you are trying to lose. Or there's no to try to argue that you know, you're blowing up to roster to a point where you know you. You can't win, but I, I don't buy it. None of their cuts have drastically affected the team that's out there in the field. People, the Jets did not go ten and six last year; they were five and eleven. This is not a team that was a couple pieces away that said, "You know what? We're not good enough to beat the Patriots. Blow it up." That's not what they're doing. And the only cut, and the and you look at the the, the Revis, Mangold, Marshall, Revis stunk last year. Mangold was hurt. And, and Marshall they have a competent player to replace him. Nick Bengals, 33 years old. We love the guy, but it was going to come to an end at some point. What does New England do better than every team in the league? They get rid of guys before they hit the downside. Richard Seymour, Teddy Bruschi, Darrell Revis. I mean, Bill Belichick is able to say, you know what? We're going to not pay you for what you did in the past. We're going to pay you for your performance, and when your time's up, we're letting you go. The Jets are doing that here. Mike McCagan saying, listen, I have to retool the roster, keeping overpaid veterans 
that are above the age of 30 is not how you win, especially when you have the sixth pick in the draft and you're coming off a five-win season. Exactly, and which brings me to my next point in cutting Brandon Marshall. Revis and Mangold mangled with the injuries last season. You mentioned he's 33-year-old, 33 years old. Am I going to go up in arms about a- exactly. Media or Nick Falk? And you can't. And Revis was ineffective. Darrell Revis was very ineffective last season. It's not like he was Revis Island of 2009 and the Jets cut him. He was awful. He couldn't guard anyone. He lost his step. He wasn't, I mean, we talked about a move to safety, but honestly, that's too big of, the, uh, that's too big of a risk at the cap hit he was going to hit the team with. Also, Darrell Revis was, go, uh, was A, about to make $18 million. It's too year. much money. It's no ridiculous. That was going to happen. And even if he was willing to take a pay cut to play safety... Darrell Rivas showed you last year he didn't want to tackle anyone. What makes you think he could play safety all of a sudden? It was never going to happen, and the Jets were right to cut him. And I'm curious to see where Rivas ends up. I think he'll get an opportunity to play somewhere. Mangle will absolutely and get so, a And chance. so will Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall might go to the Giants, New England. I hope not. But we'll touch on Brandon Marshall, as I just said earlier, in a little bit. But for the Jets right now, what they do at quarterback is all that matters. And we had a question from Ed Tierney in the comment box on Facebook Live. What about Buster Screen? Well, I'll tell you what. Buster Screen, Eric Decker, and maybe even David Harris, who's now the longest-tenured Jet on the roster. It's crazy looking at where this team has been since they drafted David Harris back in 2007. Where the Jets are right now, if they cut an Eric Decker and they cut a Buster Screen and a David Harris, then you say, you know what? They're blowing it up. That hasn't happened yet. Will they cut Decker? Maybe, but I still think for right now, Eric Decker's going to stay. I think Buster's screen is going to stay. His cap hit's not that much, and they barely save any money by cutting him. Those guys are probably safe. They blew up the overpaid veterans that would help them with the salary cap. Those other guys really don't do that. And at this point, I think the Jets are done making cuts. Free agency starts on March 9th. Get it going. That's later this week. Free agency will be underway. The Jets are serious about rebuilding this football team. you got to bring in some guys that make you better, that are not overpaid or about to be overpaid aging veterans. You want guys that are about to get their first contract, not their second big contract. And for the Jets, I think a big part of it was clearing the money and being able to get younger. And I think that that was a big part of it. And, and it just wasn't, Revis was not going to be part of this team when they were going to win anyways. Based on what we saw last season, you know, Nate Mark Golan uh, comments in our comment box on Facebook Live, Revis doesn't tackle well enough anyways to play safety. And you're right. Jake touched on that. He didn't tackle last season. He showed he did not really want to be on the field. I didn't see the effort in Darrell Revis that I saw uh in his first go-around with the Jets. Well, that was the thing. It wasn't even Revis not playing well. I mean, he did not play he, well. He kind of didn't want to be there. But there were times where, I mean, you look at him making simple plays, and the effort wasn't there. And, and Joe Capacorso of TurnOnTheJets.com, he had a whole article on his website of just dissecting plays where Revis looked like he didn't give a you-know-what. And if you're Darrell Revis, you're one of the best players of all time, you know, where's the where's that Hall of Fame mindset of, you know what, my skills might be deteriorating a little bit, but I still have that will to win. I still have and that I think that And he quit, and that's he did, good, and that's why they caught him. And I think it goes back to the ego that Darrell Revis has and has had really since he emerged onto the scene in 2009 and, and showed he was one of the best corners, not only in the league, but to ever play in the National Football League. You know, he, he came with that ego and that bravado. When the Jets brought him back, we were all up in arms about it. We loved it. We loved the move, bringing Revis back a couple years ago. You know, and just this past season, the skill set wasn't there. And you can't be surprised the Jets cut him. As far as Brandon Marshall goes, Brandon's going to get another opportunity. He wants to win. This is a guy who's never been to the playoffs before. We thought maybe it'll happen with the Jets and he'll be part of a winning team with the Jets. 
They had a ten and six year. This year was rough. It's, it was just time to move on. He's not. The Jets aren't going to be a playoff team and he next has year. To be released, and he has to be and, released. And you know what? I'll tell you why. Because he wants to win. The Jets and Brandon Marshall had a very good relationship. The Jets could have said, "You know what? We're holding on to you. We'll see if someone gets hurt in training camp, and then we'll decide your future." Seven and a half million dollars to Brandon Marshall places him twenty first in paid wide receivers. Brandon Marshall is going to get a raise. Best wide receiver in football. He's in the top ten when he's healthy and has a decent quarterback throwing him the football. And that's why you got to look at a team like the Giants and a team. I know we hate to say it, the New England Patriots, in in trying to get him and and uh, and bringing him to their roster. But we're going to take a quick break. Ten nineteen here on VIC Radio, the Asbury Nubutic Show. We'll be back right after this. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit gusbuster.com and get your Gusbuster today. You are listening to the Asmin and Budic Show on VIC Radio. Tune in radio and podcast it on ICTV.org and iTunes. Back here on the Asmin and Budic Show, VICRadio.org, Facebook Live, the Asmin and Budic Show, 607 274 one eight four two, the number to call to get involved. You can follow the show on Twitter at Asman Budic Show. We last left off in the opening segment talking about the New York Jets, their decision to cut Brandon Marshall. Well, now the question becomes: If you're Brandon Marshall, what team do you sign with? And I'm going to make a case for the other team in New York, the New York Football Giants. See the difference between the Giants and the Jets. Jets were five and eleven. The Giants were eleven and five and went to the postseason. This is a Giants team that, if they were to add a Brandon Marshall, what were their issues a year ago? Not being able to score enough points. If you put Brandon Marshall with Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr., and Sterling Shepard, all of a sudden. You can't double Odell Beckham anymore. Brandon Marshall in the red zone would be a matchup nightmare. Him and Odell would be phenomenal together. And I really think that if Brandon Marshall wants to stay local, not have to move his family, and you know he's really involved with the media side of things he does inside the NFL on Showtime with Boomer Esiason and, of course, Phil Sims and Adam Shine and JB and the whole gang on that show, he doesn't have to move anywhere. And if he goes to the Giants, it puts him with, with, with a team that gives him a chance to win a Super Bowl he doesn't have to go anywhere once again, doesn't have to move the family, and he could be that missing piece for that Giants offense. And it makes sense, and based on the fact that he liked playing in New York, I think he really is you know, one of those guys that really took to being a New York athlete and a celebrity in New York, which he was in his two seasons with the Jets. And I think for the Giants, it'll open up their red zone offense. They had a lot of issues getting the ball into the end zone this last Giants year. This Giants team did not score more than 30 points once. Which is unbelievable based on the fact that the year before they were one of the best uh, passing offenses in the league. So what what can help that? How can you get back to that? Well, one thing is bringing in one of the most prolific wide receivers in the league, and he really is, Brandon Marshall. He is, when he's healthy and you put him with a competent quarterback, he's one of the best receivers in the league. You have to watch Brandon Marshall every game to appreciate He's phenomenal. He is. He's a phenomenal First receiver. Off, I, and I said this on Twitter after he was cut. Brandon Marshall was one of the few guys this year on the Jets that did not quit. You could not accuse Brandon Marshall of quitting. As bad as the Jets were at times this year, how unwatchable they were, 
Brandon Marshall never gave up on any play. He battled. He played through injuries. He played through terrible quarterback play this past year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he found a way to still have okay numbers. They weren't great. But Brandon Marshall making $7.5 million is a bargain. Is he going to want to make more? Is he going to want to stay around that salary range? And are the Giants willing to spend what it takes to bring in a guy like Brandon Marshall? They just franchised Jason Pierre-Paul. That hurts them salary cap-wise as far as flexibility, what they could spend this offseason. It's not like two years ago when the Giants spent money on everyone and it worked, and that's why they were able to win in a large part 11 wins a year ago. This is a different type of offseason. You're trying to build on what you have already in place. Improve your offensive line. Maybe find a competent tight end. You're already bringing back J.P. PP is Brandon Marshall the difference maker and it takes two to tango is he willing to take maybe less than his true market value to go to to really stay in New York and play for the Giants well that that that's the point and you hit the nail right on the head is he willing to take less seven and a half million dollars that was a bargain for Brandon Marshall he's worth much more than that on the free agent market but He's never been to the playoffs before, and the Giants went to the playoffs last season. They had an 11-win team. They have a team that's on a trajectory to maybe be better than that this season and getting out of the first round. Is that worth more to him? We'll see. I think time will tell, but it is a fit. It is a, a connection that could work. Another team I like for Brandon Marshall, unfortunately for the Jets, it, Jet fans, would be the New England Patriots. I would be devastated. But it makes sense that the Patriots would make a move like He'd that. He'd be their best player they've had at the wide receiver Absolutely. Spot. And, and you put him with Tom Brady, I mean, that's a lethal combination. Either way, you put... Uh, Eli Manning with Brandon Marshall, that's a great combination. Also, and then obviously Brady would be would be out of this world. You but, know that if he goes to the New England Patriots, he will burn the Jets twice. I mean, yeah. It will be awful. Oh, of that's course. That's the one place I just hope he does not you go. You hope he do well. I hope he goes to a team in the NFC. I can live with him going to the Giants. I think it'd be a great fit. And I think a lot of Giants fans listening, and if you agree with us, tweet at the show or, of course, write on Facebook. If you're a Giant fan, do you want Brandon Marshall? Because I think he'd be a great fit. But there are a lot of teams that would be a really good fit with. Let's look at uh, teams that are contenders. Would the Atlanta Falcons be a good fit for Brandon Marshall? Oh, yeah. Well, they, uh, are they in the market now to add a wide receiver? How about the That's Seattle the Seahawks trying to get Russell Wilson another pass-catching target after they really shifted from being a running, a running football type of team with Marshawn Lynch? He retires. Russell Wilson threw more than he ever has in his career this past year. Could Brandon Marshall go to the Seahawks and play up there? There are a lot of contender teams that are going to look at Brandon Marshall and say, you know what? Maybe he's our guy. The Lions are another team that's in the market, people are saying, for a wide receiver. I think he wants to go to a major market and a market that doesn't have to take him that far. So he doesn't really have to move his family. The two teams, we just said it. New England and the Giants. And they make the, the Giants get it done. And they make the most sense, just because I think also from an on-the-field standpoint, they probably give him the best chance to win. The Giants are a really good team. They they won 11 games last year. Eli Manning's a championship quarterback. He's got two Super Bowl rings. That's very enticing for Brandon Marshall, like we said. He's never been in 11 years in the league, or however long he's been in the league. He's never been to the playoffs before. And he's also never been on a team that I don't think in the previous year has made the playoffs. You know, when he joined the Miami Dolphins, they did not make the playoffs. The and the Bears know either. There. Denver, he was obviously there and never made the playoffs. The Bears, when he joined them, I don't think they were coming off a playoff season. If he goes to the Giants in New England or you know some of the other teams we just mentioned, they have been in the playoffs the, the previous year. It's not a foreign thing to go to the playoffs. Even with the Jets, when he first got to the Jets, the Jets had not been in the playoffs. They still have not been in the playoffs since 2010. You know, It's been a long time as a Jet fan. 
And you look at Brandon Marshall, he's in a point in his career where this is his last real opportunity to be a number one or a really good number two. And he, wa- he wants, and I think he wants to win, which is why I think he might take less money, more than $7.5 million, but less money as far as his uh, open market value, his free agent value would be, to play with the Giants. I think that'd be something that Brandon would entertain. Also, the fact you said it, he doesn't have to leave New York. He wouldn't have to leave New York. He seems to be very comfortable being in New York and being a part of uh, the culture here. But Brandon Marshall, the player with the Jets, he he got a bad rap coming in. He was nothing... But but really good with the media. First off, I know there were some issues with him and Sheldon Richardson, but that's more Sheldon Richardson than anything else. And that's also, you know what? That's, that's also that's what happens when you lose. That's frustrations of being on a five and eleven team. If he wants to go with the, to the Giants or New England or another major market powerhouse and give it his best shot to get to the playoffs for the first time in his career, all the power to him. It wasn't going to happen with the Jets. Not because of any effort on his part. He was great. But it shows you that, you know what, his relationship with the Jets was so good that they were comfortable saying, you know what, we're going to grant you your release. The Jets, they offered him an extension, apparently. They were willing to bring him back and guarantee him this year and probably give him an option for another year after after this upcoming year. He said, you know what? I'm only getting older. Now's my chance to try and go to a playoff team. And he's going to get that opportunity. I just hope it's not with New England. I hope. Well, I think if the Giants do make that move, I think you look at the Giants' offense and in a passing game where you have Odell Beckham Jr. and you could pair him alongside um, not only uh, Shepard, who's going to be in his second year, an up-and-coming young receiver, but also an addition of Brandon Marshall would be very nice. You know, the other thing I will say about Brandon Marshall, guys, remember there was that scuffle he had with Sheldon Richardson very very early on in the season. After the Chiefs game in week three. After the Chiefs game, and Darrell Rivas came out and said that he thought that was a season-changing moment for the Jets. Well, I guess them going to Brandon Marshall, right, and and offering him extension, it shows that they believed in his... His leadership in the room, you know, and it probably tells a you a point. lot about what they're going to do with Sheldon Richardson this offseason. Not like we didn't already know what they were probably going to try and do with him, but it lets it gives you a little window in, in, into what the team thinks. The Jets are believers in, in Brandon Marshall, and they wouldn't they wouldn't have offered him an extension if they didn't. That's a great point by you, Jake. It's a matter of what he wants to do. Is he willing to take below market value? He could still play, though. The idea that Brandon Marshall can't play because his numbers were down this year than they've oh, ever that's, before. Oh, that's ridiculous. Look at who's throwing him the football, and look at the season the Jets had, and you tell me what numbers he should have had. And look at the year he had the year before when, when Ryan Fitzpatrick had a good season. The best season I mean, the Jets wide receiver. He was, ever he was had. Yeah, and, and not only ever. that, he was arguably the most dynamic receiver in the league. He was up there as one of the most dynamic receivers in the National Football League, and as far as a red zone target was concerned, he was the best. So... Brandon Marshall can still play with the best of them, but with the Jets this past season, his numbers weren't there because of the fact that they were all over the place at quarterback, and their offensive line fell apart, and the fact that their defense stunk. They I mean, had no Eric, De- uh, Eric Decker. And no, no Eric Decker. And no, and I mean, no Eric Decker. the Jets had nothing going for him last season. They really didn't. With, Other with teams the, where with, maybe he can go to, just looking at it here, this is from Mike Florio Pro Football Talk. The Steelers, Marshall grew up in Pittsburgh. The Ravens, New York is only a two-and-a-half-hour train ride from Baltimore. And if he wants to continue doing that show. The Eagles, I don't know if he'd go there, but they do need wide receivers, and he would play with Carson Wentz. And the Buccaneers, Marshall played college football at Central Florida, so it's not too far. Those are some of Mike Florio's thoughts, but we covered some of those teams right Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. March 9th is the first day of free agency when everything gets kicked off. Usually the deals are made days prior, as we've seen 
in previous NFL free agencies. This Thursday, get started. Yeah. Might so, have to call uh, Sal Powell and tell Yeah, us. might have to call Sal Powell or Ed Werder. Ed Werder. Ed Werder is a big fan of you. Oh, remember the story last year? Well, we should tell that on the air. We should not tell that. <laughs> oh, my God. We, can't, we, we, we don't want to damage our credibility. With but it is a great story. It is a phenomenal story. But the, if Brandon Marshall goes... Just like you getting fired for being a, a caddy. I never caddied. I only caddied one time. Right. And I, I was an assistant. You were let go. Marshall, I think if he goes to the Giants, I think it's a good move for them. But, again, what's he willing to take as far as his salary is concerned? I think that has a lot to do with where he'll end up. How much are the Giants willing to to extend his way to bring him back? And if he were to go to a team like New England, how much money would the Patriots stock in Brandon Marshall to bring him back or bring him in for a year? I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting conversation um, that, that, uh, that we'll find out later this week. You are listening to Jake Asman and Dan Budick right here on the Asman and Budick Show. Follow the show on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budick Show. 607-274-1842. Transitioning now to some basketball, the Knicks. They lost to the Warriors today, 112-105. And I said it before, before we took our last break, Pretty good day for the Knicks. They did not get embarrassed on ABC. They actually played pretty well. They were leading at halftime. Back and forth game, they lost. Well, they were only leading at halftime because there was no music being played in the first half. More than that is just (laughs) a second. But the Knicks played pretty well today. Let's be honest here. They were in the game until Steph Curry had one of those Steph Curry type of performances in that fourth quarter. They played well. Kristaps Porzingis played extremely well, and that's a really good sign. He played uh, you know, at the center today. He had a bunch of rebounds. I think he had a, a season-high 15 rebounds. They didn't get embarrassed. And, hey, another loss to the Knicks after the loss to the Sixers the other night. The tank is still alive. And, you know, the, the pipe dream of winning the NBA lottery once the Knicks missed the playoffs. And right now they're four and a half games out of that final playoff spot. They're not making the playoffs. Let's be honest here, folks. Listen, all these losses, they help the overall goal. And as long as Porzingis plays well... A pretty good day to be a Knicks fan today. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, oh, and where are you? Where are you as a Knicks fan when you're okay with a 112, 105 loss? Well, you're I, playing the Warriors. I know that, but even so, I mean, what does it just tell you about the state of the Knicks? Of course, but at this point, you're better off losing. No, they are. I'm, t- seed, so I'm totally. I'm, you got to look at it. I'm totally with you, and I think the Knicks. They're kind of in one of those positions. That you're right. There's no way at this point I think they're making the playoffs. That is a pipe dream. They have shown you that they're not consistent enough to do it. They could play great against the Warriors. They play with the type of effort they played today against the Sixers two nights ago, and they win that game but we don't, And I think that's a great point. We don't see the effort by the Knicks night in and night out. You know, they, they'll get up for some, some opponents. You know, they'll play the Warriors tight, and then they lost to the Sixers yesterday. You know, and you, the, the consistency on a night-in, night-out basis, not from everyone on the team, but from certain players on the team, it seems to be, uh, seems to be apparent. And I think the Knicks really have to, 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 to wonder, you know, well, where do you go going forward? What's the next step for the New York Knicks as this season comes down to an end? And, and where do you go if you're Phil Jackson in the offseason? And the real story, though is Draymond Green's pathetic comments after the game. You didn't hear him. Draymond Green will read you his comments and what he said. But the Knicks today in the first half, they had a message on the billboard, uh, on the Jumbotron, excuse me, that said, we're not playing any music, in-game entertainment. We're not going to have any videos or anything that you would normally see at a basketball game because the Knicks wanted to show fans the sport of basketball in the purest form. Fine. Whatever. Not that big of a deal. Both teams, Draymond Green, had to play with this. And Draymond Green said after the game that it was, quote, pathetic. 
It was ridiculous. It changed the flow of the game. It changed everything. You get used to playing a certain way. It completely changed it. To me, I think it was completely disrespectful to everyone from NBA Senior VP of Entertainment and Player Marketing Michael Levine to the Warriors, Rick Welts. He's their president and CEO. And the players who've done these things to change the game from an entertainment perspective. I mean, you got to be kidding me, Draymond Green. You're going to get up in arms over the fact that the Knicks did not play music to your life? I, I mean, I don't path? think it, it has How any effect on anything. Pathetic and disgraceful. This is the same guy that compared James Dolan to having a slave owner's mentality. Draymond Green needs to shut up. You're a hell of a basketball player, but these comments are ridiculous. And the, the idea that he's upset and up in arms over the Knicks not playing music in the first half. Grow off, Draymond Green. And the fact that he said it changed everything. I, I mean... And he and he said it in a way, and, and if you watch the comments, and, and you can read the comments, but you really have to watch the video to really get a full feel of how he said it, as if that's why they were losing in the first half. That was the reason why they didn't take the lead and really take control of this game till the second half, was, and that had, that had everything to do with it, which is completely ridiculous. And to say that it was pathetic, and the Knicks may be pathetic. Draymond Green is right. The Knicks are pathetic, but not for not pathetic having in-game entertainment and music in the first half of today's oh, game. So let's not They're pathetic like for other reasons. The first half of the game, oh, it was a low-scoring first half, and that's because there was no music? You're a grown man. You're a grown NBA player making millions of dollars. You should be able to play in any type of environment. I mean, it just, it's so stupid. It is. It's it is. But again, it's once again about. Draymond Green running his mouth... For no reason. For no reason. Just to be, just to seem like to make headlines, and he's done it before, and he'll probably continue to do it. And I really think Draymond Green... You know what? Playing on the Warriors has really gotten to him over the last couple of years. What does Draymond Green do really well? A, he's a hell of a basketball player. He is. B, he's great at kicking people in the nuts. And C, also he's true. great at speaking like an idiot after games and inputting his opinion in matters that don't involve him. Three great things he's very good and at. Very true. 607-274-1842. Jackson and Ithaca, he wants to weigh in on the Draymond Green comments. Jackson, what's going on? You know, I listen to you guys, and you're basically – echoing the same sentiments that I have going on. This guy is just such a fool. It is just beyond... It, it, it's incredible. It's, it's really beyond me. I mean, it, well, it's like amazing that... Said, yeah. Well, sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to cut said. you off, Jackson. I was just going to no, say... No, no, it's, it's okay, Dan. It's, I, was, I was basically saying that, you know, like Jake said before, you're making millions... What's he making? Millions a year. And, you know, he should be able to be accustomed to any type of environment, no matter what it may be. And I just think, you know, it's, it, it just shows you. You know what it really shows you above all else? How entitled he thinks he is. That's just, that's how, you know, that's what it boils down to with him. It's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you're right. This is just something he's very notorious for. And, it, it, and look, as much value as he has to the Warriors, you start to ask yourself, I mean, he starts to step in or, or over the line of kind of being a little bit of a liability if it comes to this. I well, mean, no, by, by no means. Do you take away what he's done? But, I mean, how much more can you possibly take of one lunacy? Well, know? I'll tell you what, and if I'm Steve Kerr and I'm the brass in Golden State, I think you got to have a conversation with Draymond Green and say, Draymond, you got to keep your mouth shut because it, it, it's drawing negative attention to the team every time he makes these comments. And the team's great. We know how good they are. We know they're going to win the Western Conference. But when he makes comments calling the Knicks pathetic and saying it was ridiculous and it was disrespectful – 
I mean, the, to the Warriors president, Rick Welts. How is it disrespectful to the Warriors president, Rick Welts? It's ridiculous. The comments make no sense. And you're right. I think it shows definitely a sense of entitlement on Draymond Green's part. And I think Jackson, you also talked about it. What does it say about him? The fact that yep. he's making a big deal about the fact that for his half of basketball against the Knicks, who stink, there was no in-game entertainment music? And, Dan, let's be honest. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it game seven of the finals here? Yeah, I mean, they they knew they were going to win pretty much from the – I mean, well, I don't like to say they knew they were going to win, but they had pretty much an idea, I'd like to say, in the back of their mind that this game was pretty much in the bag for them. So why why bother complaining about, you know, just something so petty? I mean, it's crazy. Also, and thanks for the call, Jackson. You look at Draymond Green – and you look at the comments that he says, and, and whether he's talking about James Dolan or he's weighing in about the Knicks not playing music in the first half, we're talking about a guy that is a phenomenal basketball player, and we're not talking about Draymond Green, the player. We're talking about Draymond Green, the idiot making stupid comments whenever he feels like he wants to input his opinion, or the idiot kicking people in the nuts. You know, we're not talking about a guy that was really the X factor between the Golden State Warriors winning back-to-back titles and blowing a 3-1 lead. Remember, he got suspended for that Game 5, and that really set everything in motion for the LeBron to lead the Cavs to that comeback. If you look at what Draymond Green has become, we're not talking about the player, we're talking about his off-the-court comments. And that's sad because he's a terrific basketball player, and he's really, as I just said, the X-factor, if you will, of the Golden State Warriors. He is the X factor of the Golden State Warriors, and I good. And it's taken. And, and you're right. It's taking away from his on the court uh, ability and what he contributes to the Warriors, and also the, the Warriors as a team. Well, we're talking about not that the Warriors beat the Knicks or not the Warriors, uh, 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 not their product on the court, but we're talking about comments he made about a really a subject that it shouldn't even that it should be asked about. And it's you know what, whatever, and it, you move past it. There's no reason he needed to make a. a, a a thick uh, statement about it, really trashing the Knicks and and calling it a bad move and ridiculous. It just it doesn't look good on Draymond Green's part. It looks a little sour, a little bit of a sore loser. Even though they won, you'd almost think you would almost think comments like this would come out if the Knicks beat the Warriors today. What's the need for Draymond Green to say anything? They won the the game, Warriors won. Leave cares? New York. Go back to Golden State. They, they, so they didn't play in-game entertainment music for a half. Who You're cares? $16 million a year, Draymond Green. If you have to play a first half of a middle-of-the-year season NBA game without music, deal with it. Who cares? It's not like it's Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals or Game 6 or 7 of the NBA Finals. It's a meaningless game that the Warriors are playing on March 5th against the Knicks who stink. It doesn't matter. They won anyways. They were going to win the game anyways. And for him to say, and, and and again, the Knicks stink, and I'm not taking and I'm not taking anything away. Um, and I'm not giving the I don't want to give the Knicks more credit than they deserve. But they played a good first half. They were winning in the first half. And I don't think, and I think for Draymond Green to say, well, it had a lot to do with the fact that there was no noise and we were thrown off. And you said it before. The Knicks had to play with that too. So if it was so ridiculous and pathetic, the Knicks had to play with it too, and the Knicks are a much less talented roster than obviously the Golden State Warriors are. It's so like, it's ridiculous. You're hanging on the rim if you're Draymond Green. That's what you're doing. You're saying, you know what? Oh, we won the game, but you know, we didn't dominate the first half like we could have because the because music of the music playing. Ah, oh, come on, it's just stupid. It really is. The Asman Budic Show is brought to you by Gus Busters Umbrellas and Wings Over Ithaca. Now, let's get back to the show with Jake Asman and Dan Budick. Hour two of the Asman and Budick show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick taking you until midnight here 
in the frozen tundra of Ithaca, New York. It was negative four degrees of the wind chill last night. A little better today, but still pretty cold. And a year ago, we were in L.A., Dan, so I missed that warm Southern California weather. But, you know, a couple months left here in Ithaca, just taking it all in. How about the, how about the fact? last cold weekend. Yeah, how about the fact that seven days ago it was 77 degrees? I mean, it's crazy. It was wonderful. Global warming. Maybe you gotta you gotta love it. You know? Now you know negative four last. It's brutal. It's brutal. You know, it's uh, you never know what you're gonna get with these. And it's March fifth. It's not like it's it's January thirtieth. It's March fifth. I mean, a week. We ago, gotta get warmer here. A week ago, we had people darting outside. If you older folks, that means you know a day party. A day party, yeah. Day For party. people, of course, twenty-one and up. Twenty, exactly. No underage drinking allowed here on the campus of Ithaca College. Six zero seven two seven four one eight four two is the number to call. We're talking next, and I wanted to talk about the comments that were made by Larry Brown. He said this on Tuesday in an interview on Sirius XM. He was asked about Phil Jackson and the Knicks and his thoughts on what Phil is doing. If you've been following the Knicks the past week, Jeff Hornacek said that they're implementing more triangle offense. In the regular rotation of plays for the Knicks, he thinks it will help them with their defense as far as getting back and being on time for uh, man-to-man matchups and other different uh, things, if you want to call them, what the Knicks do on defense. I don't even want to call it you know, strategic things that the Knicks do because they don't play any defense. But anyway, here were Larry Brown's comments about the triangle. Quote, I can't figure out how you can hire a coach and tell him how you want to play. I can't figure out how you draft players for a coach that you know coaches a certain style. You were talking about one of the greatest coaches in the history of our sport. Let him coach. If he wants to do the triangle, put it in and let him coach it and find players that are comfortable playing in it. End quote. It's a bold statement. And this comes back to what a lot of people feel that when Hornacek was implementing the triangle, he claims this is not true, but people in the media and fans are speculating it's not Hornacek that wants to run the triangle. Phil Jackson's basically saying, you're running the triangle. And, and we our, want to see what players can run this triangle. And, and, and again, it goes back to even the issues the Knicks had the last couple of years. The fact that they have personnel that don't run the triangle offense and haven't run the triangle offense. And you have a coach that traditionally didn't run the triangle offense. So why all of a sudden now would he be open to running the triangle offense? Because Phil Jackson is pushing the triangle offense on the Knicks. And I think Larry Brown, you know, I think he said it. If Phil Jackson wants to run the triangle offense, he should coach the team. And he doesn't want to coach the team. I get it. But then you know what? Hire hire a coach that you trust. And if it's not if it's a guy you hired and Jeff Hornacek that's not going to run the triangle offense, guess what? You're not going to run the triangle offense. And I, I think Larry Brown really hit the nail right on the head. The fact that the Knicks don't have a coach that ran the triangle offense. They don't have personnel that necessarily is built in to run the triangle offense. Well, we saw what Derek Rose said earlier this week about it. And they're forcing it down, down their throat. And two years ago, in the first year with Derek Fisher, they did the same thing. And we were saying, the same thing, that Phil was forcing this triangle offense down the Knicks' throat. And we said last year, well, maybe he's picking it up a little bit from the triangle, and the Knicks aren't going to run the triangle. And back again, we're back with this triangle offense. I mean, we don't have Kobe. We don't have Michael Jordan here. You know, we have uh, Quincy Acey. I mean, uh, 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 Kyle O'Quinn. They they both have great beards. Great beards. I got confused by the beards. We have Kyle O'Quinn. Now, we don't have guys that can run the triangle offense. We don't have a coach that's running the triangle offense. So why run the triangle offense? It's because Phil is the only person in the NBA today that is still committed to this triangle offense. It's almost like the Knicks started losing, and it's, oh, we got to go back to the triangles. Because that's going to solve all their problems. I mean, that will be the answer for the Knicks. And the issue is, is not the triangle. It's the lack of players that fit any system the Knicks are trying 
trying to run. It's the lack of defense. It's the fact that Carmelo's a below-average defender. Derrick Rose is a below-average defender. Both of those guys don't fit with Chris Stapps, Porzingis' development. So it's an issue. And when you look at this Knicks team trying to force the triangle down Jeff Hornacek's throat, it doesn't make any sense because he's a guy that you hired to coach this team. You know, why didn't you just hire Kurt Rambis if you really wanted to run the triangle? Bring in your henchman and let him do the Because I think he knew what would happen if he hired Kurt Rambis as the head coach of the Knicks. You think he knew what happened? You know, that hasn't stopped Phil Jackson from doing any of these other moves that people have No, you're right. That didn't stop him from giving Joakim Noah $18 million a year. Yeah, but I think, I see, I think he... With all the backlash and the way the season went down for the Knicks last year, I thought there was no way Rambis was going to be the coach. I guess not, but at the end of the day, if you're just going to force Hornacek to run this triangle offense... Well, I agree at that point. And it's not fair to him. And the Knicks right now, whether or not the triangle works, and Chris Epps says he likes it, Derrick Rose says he doesn't, Carmelo's indifferent and can't stand Phil, so he's not going to say one thing or the other about it. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you said it before. You just hinted at it. There's no Kobe here. There's no Michael Jordan. There's no Scottie Pippen. What the Knicks have is not even in the same stratosphere as any of those teams that Phil Jackson once coached. And I don't want to discredit Phil the coach. He has 11 titles. He's earned it. He did a great job as an NBA head coach. But Phil Jackson, the executive... He's made all the wrong moves for the most part, and forcing an antiquated offense down the Knicks as a system you're going to force them to run makes no sense. And again, with this triangle offense, it's not even a commitment by the Knicks. It's more of a, well, let's change something up. Let's head back to the triangle. Change the culture. But it's like you could just throw this offense. Like, you could just throw this offense in, and the Knicks can run it successfully. you got to have an offense in place at the beginning of the season that you're committed to running for the course of, uh, of your 82 games. You, you got to be committed to it. You can't just midway through the season change your offense. It's just, again, it's Phil Jackson throwing and pushing the triangle offense down the Knicks' throat. I feel like when in doubt, Phil, we go back to the triangle. And, and it felt like, didn't we, didn't we hear over the summer? I feel like we heard over the summer Phil was not, not going to pressure Jeff Hornacek into, into running the triangle and the Knicks' personnel into being a triangle offense. I mean, it's all garbage. You can't trust Phil Jackson. You really can't because he says one thing and does the other. He's Phil, he's Phil baby. He's, <laughs> he really is. I mean, it's a joke. He had a great conversation with Steve Kerr after the game. I wonder if they talked about that. Uh, Steve Kerr once told Phil Jackson, yeah, I'll coach your team. And then left and went to the Warriors. Best decision Steve, uh, Steve Kerr ever and made. Steve Kerr, every day he wakes up and thinks, wow. I could be coaching the Knicks. Could have been coaching the Knicks. And he, you know what? If he was hired to coach the Knicks, he'd be fired he now. He probably wouldn't be, be the coach right now. That's a great point. 607-274-1842. Back to the phone lines. We go Nate in Syosset wants to talk about the Knickerbockers. Nate, what's going on? How are we doing, guys? Nate, what's up? What's up, Nate? So the whole Phil Jackson thing, you know, we really should have seen it coming. When he was hiring a, a Knicks coach, when he hired Fisher... Every candidate was only someone that knew the triangle and that he played with, even though no one had run the triangle in the NBA really since he ran it with Kobe. Well, except Hornacek. He was the only one that we heard of that you know, wasn't his guy, and we thought, okay, maybe it's a positive sign that he brought him in. But if he's just going to force him to run the triangle anyway, what does that say about Jeff Hornacek? And, Nate, that's what I was saying before, is the fact that I thought we were past this triangle offense. I thought Phil said, you know what, let's run something, let's run an offense that our team and our players can run and that we're that these guys are built to run. You know, the triangle offense is a tricky offense. You can't just have any personnel out there running it. You got to have the right guys in place, and I thought Phil learned over the last couple of years that it just wasn't the case here with the with the Knicks with the personnel they had. I guess we were wrong because he's still pushing this triangle offense down the throat of Jeff Hornacek. And, and, and Nate, you made a great point uh, regarding Derek Fisher. When they hired Derek Fisher, all we heard about was a triangle offense. When they were hiring Jeff Hornacek, it seemed like the Knicks were making a, a or Phil, I should say, was making an effort 
to move away from the off from the triangle offense into the Knicks using their personnel properly and not trying to force an offense uh, that wasn't going to be in place. It's ridiculous. Well, you know what the big problem is. So the triangle offense is really founded around he didn't have a great point guard, and the NBA right now is a fast-paced three-point shooting, high screen and roll, and there are like ten to fifteen great point guards in the league. And all of a sudden, he wants to run an offense that's not that revolved around having a point guard. Exactly, point. they don't have the personnel. Yeah, they don't have the personnel to run that offense, but they, you know, the triangle offense is not what the NBA is about right now. Maybe it was 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, but right now it's about fast-paced, shooting point guard, high screen and roll. Well, that's, that's not the truth. You're right, and thanks for the call, Nate. That's a great point by you. You look at this Knicks team, Derrick Rose, he's still a good point guard. He's a good get-to-the-hoop type of guard. He's going to give you maybe 17 and a half a game, and he's been healthy. The issue, though, is Derrick Rose is not a pass-first point guard, and if you want to have uh, run this triangle offense, you need really a pass first. They need Jose Calderon. Uh, we thought he'd be the answer, and he couldn't do anything. You, you know who they really could have used? Ricky Rubio. And that was the deal that we thought was going to happen. And I'm not saying Rubio was the answer. It would have been the long-term answer at point guard for this team. But I think he matches up with what the Knicks are trying to run if they do stick with the triangle. And he's younger. He's not playing for a contract like Derrick Rose is. And you could put him with Chris Stapps Porzingis, and Chris Stapps could have a guy that could run a high post type of offense that the triangle is with Chris Stapps getting better. And it didn't end up happening. We talked about this on the show when it didn't happen after the trade deadline last week. The Knicks decided to not pull the trigger on that deal. Derrick Rose is here. They're going to lose him in all likelihood in the offseason. And the real question becomes, you know, what do the Knicks do at that point guard spot? Are they still going to run the triangle? And... Are they going to get a guy in free agency to play point guard? Are they going to draft someone with a lottery pick? And are we still no talking? And are we still talking about going forward? Because you're right. Forget this season, and if they're going to run the triangle the rest of this season, because you know what? What does it matter? Derrick Rose is never going to run the triangle offense again. He's not going to be on the Knicks next year. And no one's running the triangle offense in the NBA anymore. So what guys is Phil going to try to bring in? Is he going to try to bring in guys to run the triangle offense? What what direction are we going in with the Knicks here? Again, it circles back to the fact that the Knicks really have no direction. And it starts at the top. It starts with their president. He's a fool. Phil Jackson has proven that he cannot, I think he has done more than enough to prove that he is just not qualified and he's not good enough at picking out talent and putting them on the floor and not being the coach and enforcing his 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 play on others. He's, it's not good enough. He's not good enough. He's not good enough at, at picking talent. He's not good at trading. He's not good at moving players around. Phil Jackson is just, again, the Knicks just have no direction. What are they doing? They're going to run the triangle. They're going to not run the triangle. Now they're going to run it again. Where are they going next year? What are we doing here? One thing I'll say about Phil Jackson is I was watching the Knicks today, and Ron Baker has played well, played really well today. Ron Baker has been a nice piece. You know, Kuzmiskis has been a good piece. But what does it mean in the grand scheme of things? Well, that's my point. And the Nick Phil lovers, there's still plenty of them out there. There There are. I think most people are very frustrated with Phil Jackson and think that he's done a terrible job, and he has. But there are still people out there that idolize Phil Jackson. The rings, they see the rings, and they they, they drool. We'd be looking at this guy, and and we would have all ran him out of town a while ago. But because it's Phil Jackson, it's, well, we've got to wait and see what he does. The good moves Three years made, already. Besides Kristaps Porzingis, are all very minuscule type of moves. Those aren't your great moves that get you to a championship level. Or even to the playoffs. They're nice rotational piece type of moves. Ron Baker could be a nice player. But other than Porzingis, who's the only real great move that Phil has made, you can't sit here and say that Phil knows what he's doing. He's made a couple nice subtle moves with Herman Gomez. He doesn't know what he's Kuzmiskis doing. And guys of that ilk. But, I mean, giving Derrick Rose... 
you know, uh, get, trading for Derrick Rose and giving Joakim Noah that contract or trading for Calderon or getting nothing for J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert a couple of years ago. I mean, the list goes on and on of bad moves Phil Jackson The Tyson made. Chandler trade? I'm sorry. Drafting Ron Baker and drafting Willie Herman Gomez doesn't make up for the fact that the Knicks have made some horrendous moves. And after the third straight season, in all likelihood, they're going to miss the playoffs under Phil Jackson's leadership. Fourth straight overall, three straight with Phil Jackson They're as the president. Minus outside of Przingis, they are just as bad as they were when he took over three years ago. In fact, they might be worse. Which is which they is, were a thirty-seven win team when he took and, over. And the only reason I think the only a big part of the only reason that Phil has those supporters revolves around people with and and I think you made a great point. The fact that Phil has put some good rotational guys through the draft, like a Baker and a Kuzmiskis on the team, and he's drafted. Chris Dasprazingis. Those are the moves that, that Phil's done here to, to, to in a positive light. And Ed Tierney made a great point on Facebook, the comment section. You know, Holiday. You know, the point the, the point guard slash shooting guard off the best, Justice Justin Holiday. You know, who they got in the Derrick Rose trade. He's been he's been fine. He's been solid. But once again, these are solid rotational players. They're not star moves that get you from being you know bottom team in the NBA to a playoff team year after year. That's been the. They're not. Issue. He hasn't made any moves. He hasn't made enough moves to put the net the Knicks going in the right direction. He just hasn't. And you want to talk about Przingis? We could talk about Przingis all day. It was a great pick, Phil. He was a great pick. It was. He's great. He looks like he's going to be a great pro. Outside of that. He hasn't done, Phil hasn't done nearly enough to show me or for me to have any confidence as a Knicks fan going forward that he has any idea what he's doing. I have no confidence in Phil Jackson. I think he's a bad president. I think he's done a bad job in his three years with the Knicks. And the results are, are the record. The fact that the Knicks have been a bad team the last three years. He's the president. He's got to be held accountable. It's his fault. I mean, it's it's enough already. And the fact that now we're pushing the triangle offense again with, again, players on this team, a guy who's gonna who's running the point, who's going to be running the point if they run the triangle now going forward this season, Derrick Rose, who's never going to run it again. Never. He's a free agent at the end of the season, and he's not coming back to the Knicks. So what is going on here? What is the direction? They don't have MMR wrong. What is the direction we of this franchise? No we don't know who's going to be the point guard. We have no idea if Carmelo's going to be here now long term throughout his contract the direction of the Knicks I mean they're stuck right now we don't know what they are we don't know who's it's unbelievable free agency. we don't know what pick they're going to have in the lottery I mean do you think they move they move Melo in the offseason I have no idea how it's, can we answer we, that we don't know yeah. Melo is the only one that can answer that he's got the full no trade but do you think Phil is going to is going to it's going to be an effort like he's going to make a conscious effort to try and move uh, Melo if, if he doesn't I mean what's he doing I mean, Carmelo Anthony is never going to win a title here. I agree. It doesn't match up. But is he going to—and also, and we've talked about this numerous times, and just going back to it, is he going to be able to make a good deal for the Knicks? My gut tells you no, because he hasn't been able to do it. But the fact that we answer—we are asking these questions and you answer it no— it just shows you he's not a good pra- he's not a good player I and mean, he's not good at player personnel moves. But the only th- the only person that he has to you know sway and, and make a believer in is the owner of the team. Who the owner who, of the team who, who already else? said he's here throughout the. Who all, and, and, and it, the the one person he has to impress is the one is one of the one is one of the I guess minority people who doesn't know what he's talking about. And also, if the Knicks somehow some way make the playoffs or doesn't look like they're going to and the season just ends and Phil Jackson at the end of this year decides, you know what, I'm opting out, 
blessing in disguise, Nick fans, you Phil lovers. I think Nick fans will be happy if Phil opts out. Listen, James Dolan could part ways with Phil this offseason and not owe him anything. Phil Jackson could leave and opt out. Do you they think he does that, though? Ways. I don't think he's going to. I don't think so I think either. Phil Jackson knows, hey, you know, all i got to do is stick it out for two more years. I'm going to make a combined $24 million. But you know what? If that, Why would I leave? But if that's what it's really about for him, and it might be, but if that's what it's, it's really about, money. but then shame on him. You know what Stephen A. Smith said this week? And I'm not a big Stephen A. guy, but I thought this was pretty funny. I don't know if he was being serious or not, but I just saw the quote on, on Twitter. Phil Jackson's trying to get himself fired, and he can't do it because James Dillon already said that he's going to be here no matter what. Right. I mean, that's how bad it's been for Phil. But but if it really is about Phil sticking out here in the money and, and whatnot, this has just been a nightmare. And, and it really, I mean, I question then Phil's uh, motivation to take this job from the beginning. If it wasn't about, and I'm not saying it wasn't about it, but just putting a, a good product on the floor. If he's going to stick out here the next two years just because he's making how much a year? $12 million? $24 million over the next two years. Then shame on Phil Jackson because he has done nothing but really continue the trend of just poor basketball by the, the New Knicks York Knicks. Because the Knicks have been ruined for a long time. Well, it's not, I don't want to, them better. It's not ruining the Knicks. It's the fact that he can, the trend of poor management, poor decision-making, it just continues from... Isaiah now into Phil from you know Steve Mills Steve Mills it's just it's a nightmare from the coaches it's just when do, when do the Nick fans just get a break it, it really is a shame six zero seven two seven four one eight four two the Knicks continue to be a mess I'm sure when we come back from spring break and that's a reminder we'll not be on the air this upcoming Sunday we have the week off here at Ithaca College. Spring break, everyone. Woohoo. We will not be on the air. But in two weeks, I'm sure we'll be having the same conversation about the Knicks. At that point, we'll probably know for sure they're not making the playoffs. And then it's. Or maybe they'll go on a run and and, 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 and we'll cover the four games I, and be a playoff I team. I don't know. I will say, this is actually pretty funny. You just saying that made me think of this. There was a couple, I think this was when we were either freshmen or sophomores going on a winter break. We were here at Ithaca. And we went home. The right. Knicks won a Friday night game. I remember it. it was I, do. I remember Celtics. this too, yeah. They won. It was a Friday night. We were going home the next day. We were going home on a Saturday. We were going home for winter break. The Knicks did not win a single game over our winter break. They lost like 11 or 12 games in a row. And the last time they Seven, won... I think it was 17. It, maybe it was even more than 11 or 12. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the year they were tanking. So yeah. the year that you know they blew it up. Fisher and was there. Was hurt and the first traded, year Fisher was there. Yeah, and they traded you right. know, Iman and they traded JR. And the Knicks never won. So we go on break. Maybe the Knicks will continue to lose. Or maybe they'll start winning games and we'll see them in the playoffs as the eighth seed. And Knicks in four, baby, over the Cavs. <laughs> it really, it's unbelievable. And the Phil, the Phil saga is really just going to continue. And the fact that James Dolan... The comp, the blind confidence in Phil Jackson. I mean, James Dolan's his own worst enemy. Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budic Show.